0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Bloody oath, bloody oath. Yeah. Yeah. You come here for the accents <laughs> and you leave with the knowledge. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Chick Street. This is Annie. I'm joined by the delightful Phoebe. Bonjour. Oh, Bonjour. <laughs> you, you
0: wouldn't know I did uh like six years of French, would you?
1: Oh, I do know. I could tell.
0: Yeah, yeah could... merci. Bon,
1: bonjour. Bonjour. Uh, <laughs> and this is the podcast all about chicks in history, or more, more, more accurately, chicks who are written out of history, or just Uh, forgotten to be included in history something just fell
0: okay this is going really (laughs) well there's a chick and she's like come on guys come on get your shit together
1: (laughs) doing this for all the chicks in the world and you're fucking it up um let me do that again so this is the podcast all about chicks in history or, more accurately, chicks that were written out of history or just not included in history thanks to the men. To the men. That's why it's called history.
0: history. History. Should be
1: herstory. I mean, Australians, we like to say chicks. Yeah, bloody oath we do. So this is chick-story. Um you might hear a little noise in the background. That's my dog, Peggy. She's chewing on a, we call it a dildo. <laughs> it looks like a dildo. It's not a dildo, by the way. But anyway, she's <laughs> chewing away and I might confiscate it in a bit. So, Phoebe, it's your turn today yeah. to tell me all about a chicken history. But before we get into that, do you have a historical fact for us?
0: Oh, I sure do, Governor. Sorry, I'm just getting I'm just I'm just getting you <laughs> in, getting you in. Sure nah, do, Governor. Nah. Uh, so, all right. I'm sure you've heard of the term pom or pommy when we're referring to an English person. Too right, Governor. There are a few different origin stories as to how our English buddies got their nickname. Um, but the one that I think has been proven to be the correct origin story is the expression Mm. Tommy Grant, which became a nickname in Australia by Australians for British immigrants. And then somewhere down the track, this evolved into the expression Pommy Grant, which had to do with the fair-skinned Brits arriving on Australian shores and quickly burning in the sunshine. So it was then said that they began to resemble a pomegranate and this wow. became pomegranate, which in complete Aussie style was shortened and became POM or Pommy, the colloquial term for an English person that we know today. POM not- as in
1: pomegranate.
0: Yeah, yeah. So quite often people think, uh, but it has been debunked, that the POM is an acronym for Prisoner of Her Majesty's Service, so referring mm. to convicts who yeah. came over here but that is
1: not correct not correct there, not you, cool. go. Pomp, there you go pommy pommy Pomegranate. Mm. yeah i've heard of i was listening to a podcast the other day about the 10 pound poms yeah 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 mm-hmm. it was uh 10, 10 baht 50 yeah 50 60s yep yeah so on a the boat. Yeah.
0: um post world war 2 migration so that's mm-hmm. where uh, where australia had a lot of uh, migrants around that time, so people fleeing from war-ravaged Europe, I mm-hmm. suppose, uh, mm. for better climes and a better life. What what they assumed would be a better life was so far away. But it's funny because I'm doing research at the moment into this particular part of history, mm. and um, it was <sighs> English people were the desired um, mm. people to. To come here, followed by Americans and Canadians, and then you're sort of looking at Western Europeans. So the Dutch, then maybe the Polish. Right. Um, that sounds very to me. Very much, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yes. And as the so, the expression was to populate or perish. So you're right. either needing to have babies because they were worried that um, there might be another war, and we needed people to fight. Yes, yeah, because war. Right. Had, had literally touched our shores.
1: Uh Um,
0: uh So that was the big thing and, yeah, poms were desirable so they put in this scheme. Here, pay £10 for your ticket and I think it was just adults. There's a book which they then made a movie into called Oranges and Sunshine which is about um, a similar scheme but it was for British children. So they'd take kids from – it may be poorer families, or that oh, were in no. homes, orphanages, right. yeah. And you know there was this big, oh, there is. Go to Australia. It's all oranges and sunshine. We'll pay for you. They took them, oh, put God. them on a boat, and then yeah. it was it was rough. It was pretty awful. And what did they do when they got here? Like Well, they essentially, yeah, house labor. Slaves. Yeah, yeah. So they most of them, from what I understand, went into. Um, homes of some description, so not you yeah. know not couples, not necessarily right. being the help, but they'd uh-huh. go to s- industrial schools. So they weren't. A lot of them had 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 happy, ma- happy but poor lives yes. before they left, and loving parents. And the parents were told, "I oh, know they're going to have a better life," and the kids were just oh, taken that's away. Dreadful. Yeah. So they're already because it's around wartime. Yeah. They're already struggling, and then they take their kids away and. Oh, I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's, it's a really heartbreaking. Um, there's been a few books written, but Oranges yeah. and Sunshine I would recommend, and it's a really great book <laughs> <movie> too. <laughs> so, who who you got for us today? All right. Let me ask you something. Do you think you would know what to do if your car broke down on the side of the road and you <laughs> had to fix like the who's your it or the of Bobs under the bonnet? <laughs> <laughs> No. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, well, that I would can, be a no. Yeah, same. I could tell you for certain that the first thing I would be doing would be, A, working at how to pop the bottom of my car. Yeah. Yes, yeah.
1: Yeah. there is that. you gotta got to get past it. that yeah. hurdle. Oh, look,
0: look, let me just preface this by saying I recently got a new car and I have worked it out. It took me a while, but I worked Good. it out because okay. I had to fill my windscreen wipers. That's the only uh, thing I know how to do under the that's
1: bonnet. That's the same. I know how to do that as yeah.
0: well. Yep. B, I would call roadside assist to help me or my dad. That would yes. be my options. Yes, yes.
1: Yeah. Well, I I did have even, like I had a flat tyre um, about, well, I reckon it was probably about eight years ago, Touchwood, just so I don't want don't to get another one. But um, I was with a, a friend of mine who also didn't know too much about cars and we pulled over and we're like, oh, you know, i got this flat tyre and so we YouTubed it. So we're there standing next to the car, YouTubing it. I'm giving directions. My mate's changing the tyre, blah-de-blah, some guy walks past us. We're in the middle of Bondi. Some guy walks past us and he's like, do you guys need a hand? We're like, no, we've got this. <laughs> we are strong we- independent women. We have YouTubed it. Well, it was actually with a, with a male friend of mine who <laughs> who <laughs> – Let's just say cars are not his forte. Um, Barbara Streisand, yes, can tell you everything. Um, so we, yeah, so we were there just going, no, no, we've got this. And he's he's looking at us and looking at the wheel and he's looking at the jack and He's just like, he's like, yeah, you've got that jack on upside down. Move over. So he came on in and he and he helped us. Um, he helped us with the tire and uh, yeah. But I would I would
0: be absolutely up shit creek. Same. Same. Yeah. So the person that you would need in this situation is the chick I'm going to introduce you to today. Yes. Her name was Beatrice Schilling and she was one of the great engineers of her time and her contributions to the field were integral to the war effort and, as some say, she was the reason why Britain won World War II. Really? Yeah. I'm strapped in. You're ready. You're Sounds ready. good. I'm <laughs> Beatrice Schilling was born in Waterlooville, Hampshire, in England on the 8th of March 1909. So it was the year that the first ever National Women's Day was observed in America in honour of the garment worker strike in New York where women protested about working conditions. It was also the year when the first time a fingerprint was used as evidence in a murder case after the official fingerprint bureau was founded in Scotland Yard in 1901. Wow. Although it should be noted that the world's first fingerprint bureau, not an official office, uh-huh. had opened in Calcutta in 1897. And Wow, yeah, I know. That's quite that's- um that's earlier than I yeah, expected.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Uh, and the year prior, in June 1908, the Commonwealth Parliament of Australia had passed the Invalid and Old Age Pensions Act, which was groundbreaking, and a similar act was also passed in England at the same time. Oh. So Beatrice was the youngest of three daughters to Henry Schilling, a master butcher, and Annie, known as Nancy, Dulac. Oh. Do you ever get called Nancy? Look, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Nance. Nance. I, <can't, laughs>
1: I can't see the – I can't make the connection. Yeah. Annie Tenancy.
0: Yeah. Mm. Although in the history books uh, Beatrice was often referred to as Tilly, she actually penned her own moniker as B, as in Mm. the letter B, and not B as in the abbreviation of Beatrice, and Mm. certainly not Tilly. The latter she found very unflattering as Tilly's were the nicknames for utilitarian vehicles used in the armed forces. Oh, I just love these. I just love these days when
1: you could just call me whatever yeah. you like. My Do name's whatever, Beatrice. don't yeah. call me Tilly. My name's Annie. Call me Nancy. My name's B, but not in as in Beatrice. Just the letter B. Just the, I know. You.
0: So B describes spending her childhood building Meccano mm. sets, and at the age of twelve years old, she won a national prize. Meccano as well, sets. I know. I never was. Well, yeah, no, <laughs> not for I had, me. I had Thanks. a brother. who was into those. So yeah, no. So as well as building wireless receiver sets and saving her pocket money to buy pen knives and simple hand tool sets with glue pots and adjustable spanners, she also bought an old motorbike, which she pulled apart and then rebuilt when she was 14. Her mother, Nancy, saw great potential in her youngest daughter and her mechanical interests and abilities. And when she finished school, B was encouraged to apply for an engineering apprenticeship with a rural electrification company, of which she was successful. Wow, that's Mm -hmm. progressive. Very, because this would be the early 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, mid-20s it would be. Yeah, That's, that's amazing. Yeah. The position was due to the innovation of the Women's Engineering Society, which had been established less than a decade before, to support women in engineering and which is still in existence today. Wes, as It Is Better Known, was established by the National Council of Women during the First World War to help to get women into work to be able to release the men for the armed forces.
1: Mm. Which was very we common. Know, we know that theme
0: through mm. all of the
1: Chick's Tree stories. This is when women, this was their time to shine. When mm. the men went off to war, yeah. they were like, well, now he's going to run the fucking show. Exactly. Oh, what about those women? Oh, they're just, you know, lolling about, lolling. Lolling about just with
0: the GT, G- just done, and yeah. some socks, exactly. and then all of a
1: sudden, we're like, Oh, maybe, maybe we should get the women into um, some of the factories to do some more work,
0: do something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so after the war, women were expected to give up these newfound lives and yes. careers to make way for the men to re enter the workforce. Mm-hmm. So, just a stop gap, you know, yeah, yeah, when it's yeah. convenient. That's mm-hmm. it, yeah. The women who founded WES not only resisted this pressure but also promoted engineering as a rewarding job for women and men. B proclaimed that without the advice and help from the Women's Engineering Society, when I was trying to decide on a career during my last year at school, I don't think I could have started in, in engineering. Therefore, with mentoring from WES, B enrolled at Manchester University in 1932, one of only two women who were studying engineering, mm. and it was the first year the course had allowed women to join. Wow. B earned her bachelor's and master's degrees in engineering at Manchester University after her three-year apprenticeship in rural electrification in Devon where she spent time working alone in a power station. Oh, just
1: scandalous.
0: I know. Jeez the fact Lord. that she was working alone was in direct contravention to the International Labor Organization's Convention on Night Working for Women oh. because, heaven forbid, a woman working after dark... Would turn into a pumpkin. Oh yeah, absolutely. Women yeah.
1: women couldn't do anything after dark. No. They weren't I mean, I don't know if you remember the Mariah Mitchell episode, but she was studying bloody astronomy and she wasn't allowed to she wasn't <laughs> allowed out at nighttime.
0: And it's like how does, does she just close your eyes and
1: imagine it. How, how does guys. she <laughs> how does she
0: see the stars? It's just insane. Meanwhile, B had been riding in motorcycle trials for some time. In 1934, she started racing at Brooklands, a four-and-a-half-kilometre world-first purpose-built motor racing circuit in Surrey, as well as one of England's first airfields. B rode a 500cc Norton motorbike, which she had tweaked herself and then won her first race, and within the season had won the Brooklands Gold Star, which was awarded for lapping at over 100 miles, or about 160 kilometres per hour. Oh, go Bea. She was only the second female biker to have secured that honour. In 1936, B started her work at the Royal Aircraft Establishment writing manuals. Not exactly the hands-on work she desired,
1: Mm.
0: but after several months, she secured a new position at the engine department working on carburetors where she quickly demonstrated her knowledge and competence. Then with another war looming over Europe, B proving herself to be not only a great mind and problem solver, she also liked to keep things simple and straightforward and had no time for bureaucracy when they tried to come up against her ideas and simplistic practicality. Mm. The Great War or the First World War was to be the war that, that ended all wars. However, 20 years after it ended, Britain and her allies were once again facing conflict. Two decades had seen a change in technology and engineering, and there had been a major leap in the effectiveness of military aircraft. Germany, the enemy, mm. had established the Luftwaffe, which was arguably the best air force in the world, and they were not afraid to use it to their benefit. Mm. Meanwhile, England's Royal Air Force, or RAF, was experiencing problems with their Spitfire and Hurricane fighter planes which had been built with Rolls-Royce Merlin engines. I felt like they would look fancy. With the Rolls-Royce the engine? Royce, yeah, yes. exactly. Yes, yes. they yep. sound fancy. Doesn't it? So <laughs> these issues were a fatal flaw and were leading to dire consequences. Due to the faults, these aircraft would die rapidly the resulting mm. negative gravity would flood the engine's carburetor with fuel, causing no. it to stall.
1: No. And
0: planes and pilots were being lost as a result. No, no. Yeah.
1: You know what no. it's like
0: when your car stalls and it's already yeah. embarrassing enough? Imagine being in a plane, just <laughs> do, 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 do. No. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, it's no, hard. no. I I
1: don't like flying. I'm not a good flyer. I'm a nervous flyer, and I just the thought of that just makes me want to vomit. No,
0: <laughs> Sauce should have preempted with this trigger episode, trigger warning, trigger, trigger warning. warning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this was a problem with the, the German. Oh, the German. <laughs> German das Auto This was a problem that the German Luftwaffe were not having as they were diving steeply to avoid and attack their enemy without any issues. It was B who then devised a preventative modification, a small adjustment whereby she put a baffle, or a diaphragm in the engine to stop the fuel surge. It was a small brass disc in the shape of a thimble, similar to something the size of a washer, which would regulate the fuel flow and prevent the plane engine from stall. Stop it. I know, like something God. so yeah. small. Yeah. Yep. This design was straightforward and easily installed and was all done without taking the planes out of service. Mm. The invention was named the Ray Restrictor, but was also commonly and cringingly known amongst the men as Miss Schilling's Orifice.
1: Oh. I know. I just Why? I know. Oh, come on.
0: Exactly. Come on,
1: men. Orifice. Come on.
0: Orif- I know. It's not a nice word, is it? It's not a nice no.
1: word. And no. Did, no. Mm. Oh, why don't they call it like bee's button or something? Or
0: Yeah. Anything else.
1: Yeah, anything else.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so not only did she invent this new device, B would ride her Norton motorbike out onto the field to teach the ground crew the proper fitment in a face-to-face capacity. This was dubbed a war-winning modification of which she was said to have helped to win World War II. Amazing. In 1947, two years after the end of the war, B was appointed an OBE in re- recognition of her work and innovation during the war. Although the war was over, B was not ready to stop and by this point her focus had shifted away from piston engines to jet propulsion. She was still working at the Royal Aircraft Establishment and had moved to the Supersonics Division of the Aerodynamics Department and later headed up the Ramjet section of the Guided Weapons Department. It's a mouthful.
1: That's a mouthful. All I got out of that was Roger Ramjet.
0: <laughs> I was researching this and that's all I <laughs> <off the> picture. <laughs> Roger Ramjet, okay. Yeah, he's our man. <laughs> uh, eventually be transferred to the Mechanical Engineering Department after her Ramjet work was transferred to another establishment and she refused to move and struggled to find a new position at the Royal Aircraft Establishment. Her biographer believed, and not without merit, that this was more so attributed to the fact that there was a reluctance to promote women to positions of authority and B's willingness to criticise her superiors. Mm. She worked on a life support for crews at high altitude and cooling of high-speed aircraft, this earning her the Institute of Refrigeration Lightfoot Medal for the years 1956-57. Sounds In the like late- a great medal. I know, doesn't it? You can you just imagine like this mini fridge pinned to her chest. <laughs> Oh, Oh, little Calvinator. Uh, (laughs) In the late 1950s, she worked on projects for the Blue Streak Missile and in the 1960s contributed to a range of projects, which included advising on bobsleigh and motorcycle engine design and on Grand Prix car cooling systems. Some of her final contributions to the world of engineering were on the measurement of friction between aircraft tyres and runways, research that contributed to improved safety for aircraft and passengers. Throughout her life and phenomenal career, Bee had continued to be an avid motorbike rider. However, in 1951, she had a crash that ruined her knee and she turned to motorcars instead, which she would modify and tinker in her home workshop. She had also kept her name af- even after she married George Naylor in 1938. Yes. George was also an engineer and a decorated bomber pilot and legend has it that she wouldn't agree to marry him until he too had a gold star from Brooklyn's by clocking the 100-mile lap himself. <laughs> Brilliant. There's an ultimatum for you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) After 33 years, Bea retired from the Royal Aircraft Establishment in 1969. The same year, she received an honorary degree from the University of Surrey and also continued her involvement with Wes, who had been so integral and supportive of her career. Beatrice Schilling died in 1990 at the age of 81 years old, having remained active in the racing and aerospace engineering communities for decades. Dale Drinnen put it quite aptly when they wrote that Beatrice Schilling was an engineer, motor racer, innovator, war hero, and one of the great minds of 20th century British aviation. Had she been born a man, people might even recognize her name. Boom. (sighs) Mic drop. Boom. Or
1: she might have a statue.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: No. I mean, bloody hell. Like mm. that all those things amazing I mean just one of those things is amazing
0: I don't even know what half those things are
1: <laughs> I mean it, that's just in, that's incredible it's <laughs> so incredible that
0: is the story of Beatrice Schilling
1: oh Beatrice, Beatrice b Shilling
0: b Shilling what a legend
1: we got to remember the whole being the only you know one of two women at university at the time like going to university and being in a class and graduating and sticking to it as well Mm. and being you know one of the only women one of the only two women in the class is incredible and then achieving so much I just
0: I know and you just imagine what sort of adversity she would have come up against because you know being particularly Mm. like it's one thing to be a woman and you know achieve Amazing things or achieve yes. anything, mm. but to be a woman in such a male-driven industry yes. is a whole other, Absolutely. a whole other thing. Yay, B! Oh, Yay,
1: that was good. that was a good one. Yeah. Thank you. Look oh, at you, you're a poet this now. Oh,
0: getting there, getting there.
1: Thanks for listening, guys. We hope you got something out of that. We'll be back next week with another chicken history. And until then,
0: au revoir. Of- <laughs> Thank you.